Thank you for joining us online today. My name is Steve Polk. I'm the executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill, and it's an honor of ours to have you join us online. Our pastor has a great message for us today, and I know you want to really get that notebook, get a pen, grab your copy of God's Word, and settle in to really take some good notes today. It's very practical uh, information and thoughts from Scripture from way back in, in 1 Kings chapter 22 in all the different kings. I hope you're enjoying this series. I know that I have, but we're going to get some very practical uh, insights today from God's Word. The title of the message is Reaction to God's Truth. I know you've seen it when people react to, well, we live in a reactive culture, but when people react to the truth of God's Word, sometimes we receive it, sometimes it's rejected, but today we're going to look into how God would have us react and see how other people have reacted to God's Word, to the truth of Scripture. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for your Word, that we can hear it, we can read it, we can learn it, we can study from it, and we can be changed by it. You didn't give us the Holy Scriptures for us to scrutinize and decide whether it agrees with us or not, but you gave us the Scriptures so that we could have our lives scrutinized by it, that we can conform ourselves to your image, to your goals, to your plan, through your word. So thank you for this message today. They'll be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this week, the uh, professional hockey team, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, celebrated uh, Pride Night at one of their games, and they were doing that to support the LBGTQ plus community. And uh, as part of Pride Night, they uh, they asked their players in their pregame warm-ups to wear a special uh, pride jersey and also their hockey sticks had the uh, tape around the, the bottom of it symbolizing the, the rainbow that the, the uh, gay community uses in all of their publications and so on. But there was one player on the team, Ivan Provorov, who chose not to participate in Pride Night and in the pre-game warm-up ceremonies. He, he didn't wear the jersey and, and so on. And uh, he was being interviewed by reporters, and he said, I respect everybody. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. He's an Orthodox Christian, and uh, he did not want to compromise his faith. The coach and the team, uh, to their credit, supported his decision. They said they were, you know, they were happy and proud to do the Pride Night and support the the LBGTQ plus community. But that related to this player that it has to do with his beliefs and his religion. And the coach said, "It's the one thing I respect about Pravi. He's true to himself." And even the league came out and said players get to choose which special events they support. And yet he was very harshly criticized by many people in the media and on social media. In fact, the uh, one of the writers for ESPN uh, on Twitter just took him to task. You know, God's word, the scriptures are very clear on what God teaches when it comes to to sexuality, to marriage, that sex is God's gift to a man and woman to experience in the boundaries of a loving marriage, that it's for a husband and wife in marriage. And any sexual uh, activity outside of God's design of one man with one woman in marriage 
is sinful, that God created us male and female, and these are the boundaries that God himself has established and defines them very, very clearly in his word. But in today's culture, if you say that, if you say living together is a sin, if you say homosexual activity is a sin, there are some people who will attack you because they don't like that message, even though it's coming straight from the word of God. And this is true, not just in the area of sexual ethics. People argue with the word of God and reject the word of God for many, many reasons. Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon here at First Baptist that I titled A Faithful and Jealous God. And we looked in the Old Testament. What does it mean when it says that God is faithful? What does it mean when it says that God is jealous? Oprah Winfrey is on record, for instance, as saying years ago when she heard a sermon about God being jealous, she did not like that. She rejected that idea and it started her thinking. And now she is really a proponent of kind of a, a new age philosophy and, and says that God is love and that's all. Love is God. God is love. And there are, are many ways to heaven. And she would argue with much of the clear teaching of God's word. Negative reactions to God's word, to what his word teaches and says to God's truth are not new. People have always argued with God. You go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Satan, that's, that's the way he attacked Adam and Eve when he tempted them and said, has God really said this? Does God really mean this? So arguing with the truth of God Arguing with the word of God is not new. And I want us to look at one story where that took place in the book of 1 Kings chapter 2, 22 rather. In our Bible reading plan at First Baptist, we're reading through Kings and Chronicles currently. And there's a story in chapter 22 that I think really illustrates this issue and teaches us a lot of lessons. Now, the setting, the context for what we're going to read is Ahab is king of the northern nation of Israel or Samaria, and he's an evil king, a wicked king who worships the Baal and other gods and, and uh, has been rejected uh, by the Lord. In the southern kingdom of Judah, the capital in Jerusalem, the king is a man named Jehoshaphat, who is a godly king, a good king, not a perfect king, but a good king who seeks the Lord. And Jehoshaphat had traveled to the capital of the northern kingdom, and he and Ahab formed an alliance, if you will, of their two countries. And while he was there, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to join with him, and together, their two armies, he wanted to attack the nation of Aram. Uh, the capital is Damascus, what we think of today as Syria. And Jehoshaphat says, well, let's consult the prophets. Let's see if we can get a word from God. And uh, Ahab brings in his false prophets, prophets of his false religion that he had created in the north. And we pick the story up in chapter 22 at verse 6. The Bible says this, then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. Now, these are not true prophets of God. They're the false prophets of the northern country, the religion Ahab had created. There were about 400 of these men, these false prophets. 
And he said to them, shall I go to Ramoth Gilead to battle? Should I lead this army into battle against Aram or shall I refrain? And they said, go up for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So all of these false prophets told him what he wanted to hear. Yes, go into battle. God will help you win. Verse seven, the godly king from the south, Jehoshaphat said, is there not yet a prophet of the Lord? Yeah, you've got these 400 false prophets, but is there one man of God, prophet of the God of Israel, the true and only God? Is there one prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Now, I want you to notice what Ahab said in verse 8. Then the king of Israel, this is Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> There's one prophet of God but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me. Never says anything good about me. Never prophesies anything positive and good about me. Only evil. He is Micaiah. And they uh, and, and so Jehoshaphat said, well, let, let's send for him. And, and so after this, Ahab sends one of his representatives, one of his messengers to find Micaiah. And bring him to the capital. And Micaiah is on his way. And when he gets there, Ahab and Jehoshaphat are sitting on their thrones. And the messenger who's bringing Micaiah to the kings says to him before he gets into the kings in verse 13. The messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets, all these 400 false prophets, are uniformly favorable to the king. They're telling him, yes, go to war. You will win. They're telling him what he wants to hear. Please, this, this messenger to, says to Micaiah, God's prophet, God's man, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Will you this one time just go along with us? Will you this one time simply tell the king what he wants to hear? In verse 14, Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. Wow. No, I'm not going to go alone to get along. Whatever God says, that's what I'm going to say. And in verse 15, Micaiah is brought to the king. And Ahab says to him in verse 15, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And then he, Micaiah, answered, and he's mocking. He's mocking these false prophets. Go up and succeed, and the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And Ahab knew he was mocking those false prophets. So in verse 16, Ahab, the king, said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth? In the name of the Lord, tell me the truth, Micaiah. And so in verse 17, Micaiah said to him, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. In other words, God in this vision made it clear to his prophet Micaiah 
that the army of Israel would be scattered without a leader. In other words, Ahab, you will die in this battle. Your army will be defeated and your soldiers will run for their lives back to their homeland. And in verse 18, the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? It's it's, it's almost ridiculous. Ahab wanted Micaiah to tell him the truth, what God really said, but then he got mad when he did and said, Didn't I tell you he wouldn't agree with me? Wow. Wow. Well, They know what God says. Guess what happens? Ahab and Jehoshaphat lead their armies into battle against Aram anyway. They are defeated. During the battle, Ahab is wounded and he will eventually die from his injury. Jehoshaphat escapes, barely, but escapes and returns to Jerusalem and to his country. So exactly what Micaiah, the prophet of God, said would happen did happen. Now, there is so much truth in this story for us to apply to our lives. So many lessons for us to learn. So just real quickly, let me enumerate some of the lessons, some of the truth that comes out of this story for you and me today. Number one, God's truth, God's word is not always popular And sometimes it is hated. Ahab, this evil king, wanted God's favor. He wanted to know the truth. But when he was told the truth, he didn't like it. And Micaiah had been faithful time and time and time again to tell the king, here's what God says. Here's the truth of God. Here's the word of God. And and it didn't line up with what, what King Ahab wanted, and he disliked it, and he hated what God had to say. And then he said, I hate this man. I hate this prophet. I hate Micaiah. And sometimes, listen, God's truth is not going to be popular. And sometimes his truth His word will be hated. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, he's the only way to heaven. He said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many people go that way, but narrow is the gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. And in today's culture, if you say Jesus is the only way, some people will hate that message, and some people will attack you because it's very popular today to say that all religions worship the same God. There are many ways to heaven. All truth is relative, even though God in his word, God's truth says that thinking is is like he said in, in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, there is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way that leads to death. And so sometimes God's word, God's truth is going to be unpopular and at times it will be hated. The same thing is true when when you read what the Bible actually says about sexual ethics, about gender identity, and so on. So the first lesson is that sometimes God's truth will not be popular, 
and on occasion it will be hated. The second lesson is this. God's truth does not always support what we want to do. There may be things I want to do, things you want to do, and God's truth, God's word says, no, that's not allowable. That is wrong. That is sinful. Ahab wanted to go to war with Aram, but God, through the prophet, told him no. It is amazing today when it comes to sexual ethics. Think about uh, uh, couples living together outside of marriage. It's, It's more and more common, even with people who are going to church. And yet God's word is clear that sex is a beautiful gift for a husband and wife to be enjoyed within marriage between a man and a woman. Not before and not outside of that. Monisa and I enjoy watching the the weekly television cop show, The Rookie. And recently, two of the lead, two of the main characters, two officers in that show, started dating, but they had not uh, moved in together. They had not slept together. They were taking it kind of slow. And the woman in the relationship was having a conversation with a young lady who lives in her apartment with her. And and they started talking about that. And and the young lady asked this officer, why are you all not sleeping together? She said, do you really love each other? Are you really, really uh, excited about this relationship? And she said, yes. Well, then why are you not not sleeping together? What's, What's the reason? Why not? And in the show, there was just silence. Because in today's culture, There's no reason not to. But God says sex is for marriage between a man and a woman, a husband and wife who love each other. And the truth is that God's truth, God's word often does not support what we want to do. That's the second lesson. The third lesson is that God's truth will tell us what's going to happen Tell us the consequences, if you will, when we disobey his truth. Micaiah, the prophet, said, Ahab, if you go to war against Aram, you will lose the war, lose the battle, be defeated, and you will die. And that is exactly what happens. And the word of God is clear time and time again that when you violate his truth, his word, there are consequences. Number four, the fourth lesson, we are to share God's truth. It is to be shared even when it is unpopular. You remember when Micaiah showed up to go see the kings? The messenger who had been sent to find him in verses 13 and 14 said to Micaiah, listen, all of these other prophets are telling the king to go to war that he'll win. They're telling him what he wants to hear. Please, please, the word please is there. Please, will you this one time go along with us? And Micaiah refused. He said, whatever the Lord says to me, that's what I'm going to tell the king. And there's a lesson for you and me as followers of Jesus, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, that when God says something, we are to say it. When God's word, God's truth says this is how we are to live, we are not to argue with it, we are to obey it. We are to heed God's truth, live according to God's truth, share God's truth, speak, teach, and preach God's truth, even if the truth is not popular 
even if people don't want to hear the truth. Now, that doesn't mean we're to be mean and arrogant. Some people, when they preach God's truth and its consequences, you think they're happy about people rejecting God's truth and, and there's more anger than love in their lives and in their voices and in their tone. We're none to be hateful. But brothers and sisters, we cannot go back from the truth of God. We are to listen to it, obey it, and teach it no matter what. The fifth lesson, people are going to surround themselves. Listen, people will surround themselves with voices that tell them what they want to hear. Voices that agree with what they want to do. Ahab had these 400 false prophets telling him exactly what he wanted to hear. Yes, you want to go to war? Yes, God wants you to go to war. You can find people who will agree with you. You can find people who will affirm anything you want to do, even if what you're wanting to do is sinful and wrong and outside the will of God, the word of God, and the truth of God. And quite often, that's what people do. It breaks my heart sometimes when I see young couples who are having marriage problems. Maybe they're thinking about divorce, or maybe they're separated, and quite often, one or both of them will surround themselves with friends their own age who've already divorced or already uh, made a mess of their marriage, knowing that they are going to tell them what they want to hear, that they are going to affirm what they want to do. And so a lot of times, because we want to do what we want to do, we argue with the Word of God, we ignore the Word of God, we reject the Word of God, we get mad at the Word of God, and we surround ourselves with voices that lie to us and tell us what we want to hear as a way of justifying what we want to do. And it doesn't work. It didn't work out for Ahab, and it won't work out for you either. Here's the sixth lesson. God's people, God's people will at times be pressured be pressured to change the truth. Micaiah was. That messenger said, will you please this one time agree with us? No matter what God says, there will be times that, that people in your life, times that the institutions you are, you, you are a part of, times when the, the culture at large and the media will pressure you, pressure you, push you. To not live by, not believe, not teach the truth of God. Don't do it. God's word is eternal. Never changes. Jesus said it will never fade away. What it says today is what it will say a million years from now. The culture will pass. Your friends will die. Circumstances will change. But the truth of God is eternal. So when you're pressured to change the truth, don't do it. Lesson number seven. Sometimes the truth of God will be hated so much that the messenger will be hated and mistreated. 
after Micaiah appeared before King Ahab and Jehoshaphat and told them what God said, one of those false prophets slapped Micaiah in the face and Ahab had him put under house arrest until after the war, after the battle. And there will be times people can be harsh against you because you live in keeping with the truth of God. Here's lesson number eight. So many lessons from this story. Lesson number eight, negative reactions, harsh reactions to God's truth, to God's word can cause some of us who are followers of Jesus to disobey it even though we actually know what God says, even though we actually know what the truth is. Jehoshaphat was a good king, a godly king who much, most of his life sought God. And he's sitting there on the throne beside Ahab when God's prophet, God's man, Micaiah says, God tells you not to go fight Aram because when you do, you will lose the battle and Ahab, you will die. Jehoshaphat heard every bit of that and he was a man who respected the word of God and yet for for some reason, I don't understand, he still went into battle with Ahab and his army was also defeated and he barely escaped with his life back to Jerusalem. Sometimes the pressure can get so great that those of us who know the truth of God and know the word of God will disobey it and it doesn't make sense, but it happens. And we always regret it, don't we? We always regret it. Here's the ninth and final lesson. There will always be some people who love their sin so much they simply refuse to listen to the truth. Ahab, this wicked king, knew that Micaiah was telling him the truth, that he would lose the battle. God would not give him victory. And yet Ahab wanted to go to war with Aram, wanted to conquer them so badly, so much that he wouldn't listen. And there are so many people, maybe some of you listening to me right now, you know you are living in sin. Living outside the truth of God, outside the word of God. You know what he says and you know it's true. But you love your sin so much that you just keep going. You keep sinning. You keep disobeying. And just like it eventually caught up with Ahab, brothers and sisters, hear me, it will eventually catch up with you when you love your sin so much that you ignore the truth of God. Eventually, your choices catch up with you. And that's tragic. You think about issues in our country today. A couple in particular, this whole idea of safe speech and Safe spaces. You know, the original idea of safe spaces was, well, really two things. One was 
there needed to be groups where people who were like-minded could get together just themselves and feel safe to be with each other and speak to each other. That could be true where there was a, a homosexual group on a college campus. It was a Christian group on a college campus. They should be able to come together and be safe to talk with one another and share their feelings and ideas and so on. And that's, that's, that's good. It was originally meant to be uh, for the classroom. That the classroom needs to be a, a place where, where students could express their ideas without being attacked. Not necessarily agreed with, but, but free discussion. And that's a good thing. But in recent years, radicals have taken those two concepts and pushed them farther and farther, wanting to create literal, safe, geographical, physical spaces on campus where no one can say anything that anybody dislikes. No one can say anything that might even remotely hurt somebody's feelings or offend somebody. And now some really radical groups are wanting to push that to entire campuses so that nobody can say anything offensive anywhere. And the problem with that is that it's nonsense. Because it flies in the very face of the concept of academic freedom. If you cannot be free to debate and discuss ideas, even those that offend, those that are hurt, you don't have academic freedom. It flies in the face of religious liberty. If people cannot teach the truth of God, even when others dislike it or even hate it, you don't have religious liberty. It flies in the face of freedom of speech. It just doesn't work. And, and another big problem with it is that it's totalitarian because somebody is always having to decide what speech is safe and what speech is not. And when you have that, you have a dictator. You don't have freedom. Think about the issue in our culture in America today of sexual ethics, whether it's the LBGTQ plus community or gender identity, premarital sex and couples living together. In our culture today, if you don't agree with those movements, you are attacked. If you say anything from the truth of God, from the word of God about sexual ethics, especially as it relates to gender identity or, or homosexual activity, Activity today, you're called a homophobe. That means fear. But the truth is, we don't fear. We just don't agree because the truth of God doesn't agree. That hockey player I mentioned a moment ago who refused to take part in the pregame uh, Pride Night activities that his hockey team was uh, putting on in the media and on social media was called a homophobe, a bigot, a disgrace to the NFL. Reactions to God's truth always in the past and still today, there's really only so many ways you can react. You can hear it and obey it. You can argue with it. You can reject it. You can ignore it. You can disobey. But as God's followers... As the people of the Lord, as disciples of Jesus, the only choice for us is to hear it and obey it. Like the prophet Micaiah, who said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that shall I speak. His words are true, and they're good advice for me and you. 
God bless you. I'll see you Sunday.